Thanks for taking the time to watch or listen into this message. Our prayer is always that God would use it to draw you closer to himself and deepen your love for Jesus Christ. And if you're new here, consider subscribing to stay up to date with all of our great content. Thanks again for checking out this message. We pray it is a blessing to you. So, if you have a Bible with you, you can turn to Romans chapter 16. That's where we're at now. It's the last chapter in the book of Romans. Um, Romans is a letter written to the church in Rome by the Apostle Paul before he's ever been there in person. He hopes to be there someday. He will be there someday. Um, we're in the, the end of this here where it kind of shifts gears into some, some greetings and some uh, commendations of some people. But I want to catch you up real quick um, without a full recap. It took me 31 messages before this to get here. But I'll say that, that Paul kind of lays out at the beginning, we've heard of your faith. I'm excited about you. I hope to come to you to proclaim the gospel. I'm not ashamed of that gospel because I know the power of God is salvation for all those who believe. And so he'll go on to talk about how amazing God is, where we're at as humans, as we have all sinned against God and fall short of the glory of God, that we have, have rebelled against him and that every single one of us needs a savior and that it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone that each and every one of us are saved, not by our own works, not by the family we grew up in, not by the religious duties that we've done um, or the memory verses that we've memorized, but we have to put our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord to be made righteous and reconciled to God. After he explains all of these things, he gets very clear on now that you see it, now that you've received that, this is the life that you live unto the glory of God. So no longer live like you used to live because you're not the person you used to be. You used to be a rebel, turned away from God, but now you have repented of those things, put your faith in Jesus Christ, live a life according to God's commands and unto his glory. And then in the last couple of weeks, we've seen Paul telling to the church in Rome, hey, I have some plans. I'm not writing to you because you don't know some of these things. I'm writing to remind you, and I want you to know I'm taking a donation to Jerusalem. After I do so, I have a plan to continue to push forth the gospel in Spain. I hope to stop by Rome on the way to bless you. You bless me. I'll be on my way. And we looked last week. We plan, we pray, but God determines the way. Not everything will go as Paul is hoping, as he has encouraged them to pray for him, um, and bless him, but it goes how God is determined in his sovereign way. And so um, today, uh, if you're taking notes, you can just write down, greet the church. And Paul is going to, we're going to go through a text that many of you probably, if you have read much of your Bible and you get to these parts of the letters, um, you've probably zoomed through them at a quick pace. Um, maybe not paid much attention, but we're going to go through every single name that Paul is greeting in the church in Rome. And there's several things I want you to see. I want you to see the diversity of the church in Rome and the unity of the church in Rome. You're going to see men and, men, men and women <laughs> applauded for their hard work, for their co-laboring, for their faith as they minister among each other. You're going to see Jew and Gentile. You're going to see those that have lots of money, those that have none. That there are those that have homes to open up to others in the church. There are those that are probably uh, in states of poverty at that time. You're going to hear some names maybe that you've heard before and, and some that we'll only see in the entire Bible in this little section. Um, but I want you to see that, that Paul speaks well of the church. He lifts the church up. He's excited about who the church is, and he continues to, to um, affirm and confirm the beauty of working hard and having friends that are believers in the church. And so let's read it together, the first 24 verses of chapter 16. And I want to let you know, um, if, if you have a Bible with you and you've already opened it there, go ahead and look at verse 23 and then realize that after it is verse 25. There's no 24 in your Bible for many of you. In fact, there's probably like a little asterisk or there's a, a little mark there that tells you to look down below. I don't know if you've ever noticed that when you've read your Bible, sometimes the verse is just gone. Um, this is one of those cases, and it's because it wasn't in every single one of the manuscripts. And so they decided that, hey, we'll just put it at the bottom so that people know, but it's already said at least once in the text. And so because it's already said, we don't feel wrong 
moving it to the bottom uh, because it wasn't in all the manuscripts. But we're going to look at it today because I think it'll help us kind of land where we're at. So I also would like you to pray for me this morning because I have like 30 names to say. And they're not names that are normal for us, a lot of them. So pray for me. Let's do this. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend, Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrabus, Hermes, again, Hermes and Hermes, and the other brothers and sisters with them. <laughs> Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss, all the churches of Christ in greetings. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, by smooth talk and flattery that deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone who has heard about your obedience, or excuse me, everyone has heard about your obedience. So I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius, Jason, here's a fun one, Sosipater, <laughs> my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, send you greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Cordus send you their greetings. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with all of you. Amen. All right. Again, I said you probably have skipped through this before. Some of you are wishing right now we are skipping through it now. Um, <laughs> but God decided to have this in his word, and there's value in it, and I hope we would gain from it this morning. I think there's a lot of things that we're going to understand in the text. You'll see that just in the greeting, there are 26 people that um, are referenced, 24 of them by name. Eight to nine of them are women. I say eight to nine because one of the names that we're going to see today is a name that could be used by male or female. We'll get to that. Um, but it's a really exciting thing. As Paul, you probably saw there, continues down a list of co-workers, co-laborers, dear friends in the faith, in the church in Rome. And so I want to take some time looking at them this morning. Don't tune me out. I think that would be problematic. Um, well, for me, at least, it'll hurt my feelings. Uh, <laughs> we're going to see the beauty of relationships in the church. Yeah. That we are called, first and foremost, to our relationship with God. But as we are made right with the Father, we are brought into family with brothers and sisters, that we should love them dearly, want the best for them, and receive them well. If you're taking notes, write this down. Receive our sister, servant, and supporter. Starts off, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centria. I commend to you as I approve to you, I give to you, our sister, so that's a, a fellow believer, 
Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centria. Okay, a couple things we need to look at just in verse one. <clears throat> the first thing is when he's um, uh, commending or approving of this sister Phoebe, it is believed that she's actually the one carrying the letter to the church in Rome. This is cool. Phoebe's boss. <laughs> like Phoebe is, is expected to be, from, from what we see here, and many of the scholars believe she's a sister, she's a servant, and she's a supporter. Not only has she served the church as well, but she also is believed to probably be a businesswoman that helped financially support and that she had dealings in Rome, and that when she went, Paul entrusted the, the word of God, like this letter inspired by the Holy Spirit to the, to the church in Rome is entrusted to Phoebe, and that Phoebe would take it as a servant, a faithful servant and sister in the Lord. And it says a deacon of the church. Okay, so here, here's an interesting thing we need to understand. The word deacon here um, is... A, is a very vague word for ministry or servant. Now, there's some specific places it's used in Scripture where it gets more nailed down, but it doesn't always mean the same thing. There's kind of a, an umbrella for the term because it, it, it can kind of vaguely mean anyone that ministers or serves. It's the word serve, servant. And so all of us that serve at all in, in some form are represented by this word. But it's also very specific by Paul when he speaks to um, those in pastoral ministry on how to order the church. Um, it, it is a role, an office inside of the church. And so they don't know if this is for role or just out of action. But what we do know is that she is to be commended, approved of as a believer and a servant among the people. And this place that she's from is the eastern port of Corinth. And so the gospel has traveled there. There's a church there, and she is serving in that church wholeheartedly, and she should be committed. I love that the apostle sees it fitting that, hey, this lady that just handed you the letter, let me tell you a little bit about her. I sign off on her. Then it says, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people. What he's really saying is, make sure you are the church you're supposed to be in receiving one of your own. Do well by God and by her, by being the church, receive her well. And to give her any help she may need from you. We don't know exactly what that is. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Now, the word benefactor there uh, simply means the helper of, the supporter of. She has served. And so Phoebe is known to be a sister, a servant, and a supporter, and I love what you're going to see several times in here is that you're going to see people from every walk of life. And that Paul is going to show that the church of God brought together through Jesus Christ is a diverse group of people unified by Jesus and put on his mission. You're going to see male and female, Jew and Gentile, every socioeconomic level, all kinds brought together under God. And you're going to see a beautiful picture of who we should all long to be as a church. And I love that it starts with this woman that brings the letter, especially in a day of that time, culturally, where women were sometimes devalued, that he's going to speak so well of so many women in this text. And he starts off with entrusting the letter to the church in Rome to Phoebe, the sister, servant, and supporter. It'll move on, and, and, and from here, Paul will start greeting the rest of the church. And I just wrote down, share the love. Um, he'll say the word greet. I don't know. I didn't count them way too many times. But he'll say, greet this person, greet, 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 greet. And the word there is to salute is another uh, translation. It's to receive joyfully. It's to embrace. It's similar to how uh, now if I'm on the phone with my wife, I'm not going to make it home before the kids are in bed. I'll say, hey, babe, could you, I call her babe. I always like to point that out. <laughs> I'll say, hey, babe, could you hug the kids for me? Could you just love them for me? I'm not there, but I love them. I care for them. I want them to know it. Can you do it for me? Because I'm not present. And so Paul, when he goes down this list of greet, it's not greet like, hey, and just keep walking. 
We think of it that way because when we, have, we, we walk into stores and there's a greeter on site, right? And their job isn't to embrace us and receive us joyfully into their family. <laughs> and if you're a greeter, I'm not trying to bring down your level of the job you have at work. But here when we greet at the front door, we do have people that greet. And we do so hopefully like this in a way that says, let's, em- let's embrace you into the mix Let's bring you into the family. Let's know that you're warmly welcomed and received. And Paul would say, I'm not there. I plan to be there someday. But until then, you're doing the loving on people for me. So share my love with them. And I was going to go through this amazing list of people. Let's do this. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. So I'm not sure how much you've worked through the text of the Bible, but you'll see these names several different places. But primarily, you'll see in Acts 18, I believe, at the beginning there, um, Paul gets to Corinth, and he meets a guy named Aquila, who's there from Rome, because all the Jews got kicked out of Rome. And so when they were kind of exiled out of Rome, um, this married couple lands in Corinth while Paul is there. And they're tent makers. And so when you hear of Paul making tents with other people, it's these guys. And so he's working with them, and he kind of just takes them on and and disciples them. In fact, when he travels from there, he brings them with him. Later on, Paul will leave them to go continue on his mission. And these two, Priscilla and Aquila, um, there's another amazing man in the early church named Apollos, who's just like this this pillar in the early church, teaching and, and bringing people along the way. And they will, when Apollo shows up where they're at, Priscilla and Aquila, because they've learned under Paul, they've been with Paul. When Apollo shows up, he's a great teacher, but he has some things wrong about who God is in Jesus. And so they bring him aside and they teach him like, hey man, what you're saying, you're like the best to go out there and tell everybody because you're awesome at it. But let me just correct your doctrine a little bit. And so this couple's an awesome couple, and Paul has literally co-labored with them. They're my, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Let me say it again. Priscilla and Aquila, they're in Rome now because the Jews could go back to Rome at one point, so they went back home. And so some of the people Paul knows is because they, they moved back there, and people traveled quite a bit. They risked their lives for me, and and some translations say they risked their neck for me. It's literally like to put your head on a chopping block. That they they stuck themselves on the line for Paul. So he has great affection for them. Co-workers, they risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles or all the nations are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. So Priscilla and Aquila Um, they have a gathering that assembles at their house, which makes sense because um, they know the word preached from Paul himself to be able to disciple and raise people up to follow after Jesus. And we need to, uh, first, I want to say, our church meets in homes and community groups, and I just want to thank anybody who opens up their home to have the church show up. That's a big deal. Yeah, you can cheer for them. That's a big deal. If you don't know that, then like, Think about it. Think about it being you. Somebody comes over, they're in your front room, they use your bathroom. You got to like clean up first, at least a little bit. I mean, we want to really know you how you are, but not that much. We do want to know you that much, but not, not, we just want to be in your dirty house. Okay, listen. 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 Some have taken scriptures like this or others that say they met in each other's homes regularly and tried to make it sound like that's the only way that church happens, to say that it's only for house churches. Yes, there's a great model that we should actually be inside each other's homes to get to know each other, break bread together, uh, um, and, and pray for each other. And it's an interesting thing when you start trying to make a, a, something like a com- into a law that isn't written as law. Because the church would regularly meet outside of just in the house. In fact, it's believed that they would meet in more like an open air spaces because they didn't have church buildings at that time. They didn't have schools they could rent. But I want to say the interesting thing about a house church is at what point is it not a house church? I mean, really, that's just the location people are gathering. Because if you talk about the first apartment my wife and I ever lived in, a house church is maxed out at like six. 
but I've seen some of y'all houses. All of us could go there today and have house church. So we can't pretend like, that, like that's the issue. We don't know how many people gathered in these places. Or, and it all depended on how large the, the, the home was. But what we do know is that believers were in the habit of actually getting to know each other and being in each other's homes and lives. And so he commends them and also um, says, greet the church there, love on them, embrace them, receive them. Greet my dear friend, Epinetus. Uh, dear friend, in, the, in um, some of the translations it says, beloved. Sounds so intimate. Greet my beloved, Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. This is cool. They kept track of, he wasn't the last one, but we know the first one. And, and it's pretty cool because what we see here is we're going to see um, Paul speaking well of the fact that there's churches that are gathering, people are gathering in these places, lifting up the name of Jesus. We're going to see him talk about that his dear friends are those that are, are in the church in Rome and in other places in the church. Paul has great beloved friends all over the place in the faith. I think it's a great model for all of us. And, and pretty soon we're going to see this next one, greet Mary who worked very hard for you. We see hard workers and we see women working hard in the church. That hasn't stopped. In fact, many of the hardest workers here at The Roots are women. Yeah, you can cheer for that too. And I want to point out, um, I want to point out a will of men say like co-laborers, worked with me, those types of things. But specifically several times in this text, he's going to say women were hard, hard workers. So I don't know, guys, step your game up. Um, but I love this. It, it's, it's men and women serving, working hard, and he, he clearly is writing this so that they know that hard work among the believers is, is an attribute. It's a well-spoken-of thing. That we should be a, a family that's, that's faith-filled, hard-working friends. Goes on. This is an interesting one in verse 7. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews, who have been in prison with me. Now stop for just a second. Um, this can be a little bit confusing in the text. There, there's some things I'm going to tell you some different views on here. Uh, the name Junia is actually, in its original context, is Junius. And this is the one that could be male or female, depending on the person that it's given. And we have names like that in our English language that, that are given to male or female, like Casey. <laughs> Don't laugh too hard. I also know some Jordans. Um, but that, that's not to say anything about those names. I'm just saying there's, there's names that are sometimes given to either. And if you didn't understand who the person was that it was ascribed to, you wouldn't be able to differentiate if you just saw the name on a page. And so what we have here is we're not sure if these are like brothers in Christ or if this is another married couple named. Um, there's, there's different thoughts. There's different reasons to kind of go either direction. Um, but because of the original text, it's a little bit difficult to work through. We know that he says, my fellow Jews or kinsmen who have been in prison with me. So he speaks well of them as his, his kind of bloodline of Jews. Um, and then also as those that would represent the faith and be thrown in prison. This isn't like, hey, we were out. <laughs> These are the guys that when I was a knucklehead, we did crime and we were in prison together. <laughs> He's saying we fought for the faith. And at some point, they grabbed me and them, and we were in the same prison. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. A couple things you need to understand here. Outstanding among the apostles um, is something that we're, we're not sure exactly um, how, to, how to receive what's being said there. It's, it's probably one of two ways to understand that. Because um, there's two different ways to understand apostles. There's like the capital A apostles, which are like um, Peter and Paul, those that saw the resurrected Jesus Christ and were doing the ministry specifically sent by Jesus himself to go and, and push forth the gospel. 
There's also um, lowercase a apostles of the churches at that time, which really just meant the sent ones, those that are sent as messengers. And so we would call them missionaries. And so the two different views of this is uh, Andronicus and Junia could either have been uh, viewed highly among the capital A apostles, like they, they were in, in to back this up, when it says, and they were in Christ before I was, it could be Paul saying, hey, these Jews put their faith in Jesus early on, and so they know the apostles, they were around the apostles, and their strong faith means the apostles speak well of them. The other idea that could be here is that Andronicus and Junia, or Junius, um, are amazing missionaries together. And that because of that, they're spoken well of and highly viewed and thrown in prison, which would make sense as Paul's going around as a missionary, thrown in prison and outstanding among um, those missionaries. And so we, but we get a view of these amazing people that are down to die for Jesus. Those that work very hard, those that, that are beloved, those that are men and women, Jew and other nations brought together it's a great picture of the early church. Greet and Pleiades, again, my dear friend in the Lord or my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, co-worker, our co-worker in Christ. This is different. Earlier he said about Priscilla and Aquila, who we know where he ministered with them. He said, my co-worker because he administered with them. Here he says, our co-worker in Christ. So we're not sure if Paul ever actually worked with him or he just knows of him and that he works and strives for the sake of the gospel. And my dear friend, my beloved, Stachys. So again, Paul is saying like, Paul's never been to Rome, but he knows all these believers. You can tell he has great care for the church and he, he, it's important to him that people are received well embraced, loved on. Greet Apelles, this is cool, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. That's a cool statement. All these statements are really cool about all the, uh, all the believers here, but this one, this one is whose loyalty to Christ has stood through trials. What an awesome thing to have said about you. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm not hoping you go through the fire. I don't want to go through it either. But there's usually a little bit of fire that shows up in our lives to refine us and that we have to go through. And Paul's speaking highly of the man that persevered. And I don't know what the test was. It doesn't tell us. But if he's going to write it like this, it must have been something. It must have been. This is Paul saying this the guy that gets beaten and thrown to prison and almost dead all the time. And he's one to say, like, this guy's faith got tested. But he is loyal to Christ and has stood up through the trial. Listen, I know if, if I was writing about our church, I could easily speak well of so many people in this room. My, I have dear friends, the, I have beloved in our church. Man, I could tell you, the, the women that work hard, I got a list. The co-workers, I got them. There's many. There's many in the church. What I'm concerned about oftentimes is, do you have dearly beloved in the church? Do you have those that you've labored alongside? Do you have those that you're close enough to know they have fidelity to Christ through the test? Are you one that someone else could say that about? There are many things through this text that we can see that are things to be cheered on and excited about and a beautiful aspect of the church. That in the church, we find true, dear friends. And in the church, we walk next to those that work very hard. Hmm. You know what you don't find on this list? You don't find Paul going like, oh yeah, and my guy, whoever, name the name, who barely works at all. 
Hey, hey, greet the kind of serve guy. I'm not saying that to beat us up. It's, it's truth. That the early church, it was like, hey, the only way this flourishes is if we all do it. And to think that has changed is only to settle too comfortably in the right now church and not understand who we're called to be as the church and the mission that we have as the church. I got sidetracked. Go to the next verse. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. I probably said that different both times I said it. This is interesting. The word household there is estate. So we're not sure if this person actually followed Jesus or just that he had such a large estate and so many people that worked for him, under him, a large family, that he's saying like, hey, we know that underneath that guy's name, there's a bunch of believers. And so make sure and, and, and greet those who belong to that household that follow Jesus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Can I just say some of these names are popular names at that time. And there are people that have done great study to try to figure out like who exactly are all the people in this chapter. And I read a bunch of commentaries and history on, the, on these names. Um, and I can just tell you this, a lot of what is out there is still like, hey, maybe. <laughs> because a lot of the names are very regular. And so if many people in that area have those names, you don't want to attribute it to something, something that's not. And so if it is uh, significant for us to kind of grab and grasp, I'll at least put it out there. Um, but some of these names maybe you've even heard in different places in history. These are really cool. Watch this. Greet Trif Trifina and Trifosa, believed to be twin girls. Those women who work hard in the Lord. Women are grinding. This is cool the way this is said, because Trifina and Trifosa, kind of the, the definition of those names, um, is kind of like a smaller or like petite, like, but the action of their life is big. And so it's kind of this play on, hey, the small twins and their big work. It's awesome. Greet my dear friend Persis. Another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Again, this is Paul's dear friend, Persis. This is a woman. And in um, some translations, I love how it says it in a couple other translations I read a little bit better because it says, uh, our beloved. And, and why do I bring that up? Because with the men, Paul said, my beloved. With the woman, Paul says, our beloved. And that it's probably purposed. Because... It's not Paul's wife. And so he wants to make sure he doesn't say, Persis, my beloved, as if it was some sort of relationship that way. And so he says, our beloved, this dear friend of ours. Just keeping it clear. <laughs> this is like the equivalent of the side hug. <laughs> Greet my dear friend or our dear friend, Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. He wants people, like, recognize what these people have done. And it didn't, they didn't do it so they get patted on the back. But Paul, it's important to him. Receive them well. Salute them. Embrace them. Love on them for me. Because they've been grinding. They are my dear friends. They are hard workers in the faith. Love on them. Can I go back for just one second? I probably shouldn't because, yep, but I'm going to. Another woman who has worked, where the, the girls above, those women, um, they who, who work in the Lord. So it's believed that Persis maybe was uh, older in age. Um, wasn't that she wasn't continuing to work, but that she had like been grinding and it's kind of like was done with some of that stage. Kind of Cool. These are, this, is, this is really cool to understand that Paul is a real person writing to real people in whom he knew. It's one of the beauties of the text that we have, the Bible that we have, that it's so many times validated historically because of the real people mentioned. Okay, go ahead. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. A couple things I want to point out about this. 
Chosen in the Lord is an interesting statement since he's talking about saints already, which all of the people that have put faith in Jesus have been chosen in the Lord. So he must mean for some sort of specific work. We don't know exactly what that specific work was, um, but we know that when it says chosen in the Lord, he, he's, he's kind of setting him aside. Many believe that this is the same Rufus that is found in Mark 15, verse 21. The reason they believe that is Mark wrote the gospel of Mark uh, to the Roman church to understand the gospel. And so it makes sense to put the name of someone they would know in the text where it would fit. And so Rufus in Mark 15 is the son of Simon the Cyrene who carries the cross of Christ. And so many scholars believe that the Rufus that is speaking of right here, that is chosen in the Lord, is actually the son um, that is mentioned in Mark 15, whose dad carried the cross of Christ. Kind of cool. Really cool. I also want to point this out. And his mother, read his mom for me, who has been a mother to me too. It might sound weird because my mom's in the room. My mom's awesome. So if somebody wrote to me, they probably would say, like if someone's gone to our church and moved and they wrote a letter to our church, it would probably say, greet, what was his name? Oh yeah, Pastor Russ. <laughs> and his mother too, because she's like a mother to me. Because sometimes people do a good job of bringing others in underneath them. Um, and this is one of those cases where Paul goes, it's not my actual mom, but she cared for me, loved me. Um, took care of me like a mom. And so make sure and greet her too. It's a big deal to me. It's pretty awesome. And then he's going to name these list of men. Greet uh, Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them or the brethren that are with them. With them means that, that assemble with them. Let's keep going through these fun names. Greet Philologus. Julia, another woman, Nereus, and his sister. I probably read too much into the text here. This is like the only person other than when it says, and his mother, which would make sense that you would just say, and his mother, maybe not even name her. Um, this is really the only the person that's like not named that is, it's like credited to a specific person, but there's not a name. And Paul, I don't know if you've noticed, but must have a great memory. Paul by name, is naming 20-something people that he's not even near to say, like, greet this person, greet this person, greet this person, greet this person. Be honest, man. You said hi to somebody just a minute ago, and you've already forgot their name. <laughs> like, when we greeted the church a little while ago, half of us are like, oh, what was that name? Paul's got all these, and in this one case, he goes, and his sister. I'm just, I know I'm reading too much in the text because I forget names. I'm like, maybe that's what happened. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Paul just couldn't remember that one. It doesn't say that. Please don't say that that's what it really says. I just, in that, was like, maybe? Um, so, and Olympus and all the Lord's people, the saints who are with him. Okay, they're gathering. They're gathering all over the place in Rome, but they're all the church, and they come together, and they meet in each other's homes. They meet in estates. They meet in households. They come together in these spaces, and they are, the, the, the people that he affirms or like cheers on to make sure that you agree. He says, they're my, my, my family. They're my beloved, my dear friends, or they're those who work hard. They work hard among you. They work hard with me. They work hard for you. There's all these statements that I think are a beautiful picture of the church that we thrive as we not just are friendly with each other, but as we are dear friends, the beloved, that we actually care. We don't just look like we care. For some of you in this room, that statement can be difficult because you can hear me saying that's what the church is and you feel lonely where you sit. I want to encourage you to try again. Because a lot of the reasons we don't have beloved, the dear friends, is because of experiences we've had in the past that have now told us it's not safe. It's difficult. I could get hurt. Let me just tell you something. Everybody that in the room does feel like they have dear friends in the church, the majority of those people, I should say, 
have felt similar pain as you in trying to be a good friend and to have good friends in the faith. They felt the pain and went back and did it again. And sometimes there was forgiveness that needed to happen. Sometimes there was repentance that needed to happen. But we are called to have dear friends in the faith that love Jesus and love us and that we love greatly. And what a beautiful picture that is. And in a time where loneliness is running rampant through everything, like that, that we're more connected and less connected than ever, we have, we have many more acquaintances and statistically less genuine friends. We must fight that. And the way we fight that is by doing it again and doing it again. Don't isolate. One of the things we're seeing with Paul right here is Paul had lots of people, people that he served next to that sometimes he'd get thrown in prison with. He, he has people all through scripture that sometimes do him wrong. And guess what? He doesn't quit doing ministry or quit inviting people to do ministry with him. He just goes like, oh man, that stinks. Do you want to come do ministry with me? And he keeps on and keeps on and keeps on. All the Lord's people are with, oh, look at this. Greet one another with a holy kiss. A holy kiss <laughs> that is not sensual, that is brotherly, and that is cultural at the time. It's not a command as though we would have to give a holy kiss, but we do have to greet each other with a warm reception and embrace. And so the equivalent today would be something like a hug that we would embrace and love each other and, and be warm with each other. And if it, if it goes beyond holy, that's on you. Check your heart. <laughs> Somebody else gets a little close, closer than holy, use that holy stiff arm. All the churches of Christ send greetings. So he says, listen, we're all excited for what you have going there. We love you. We send greetings, love on each other big, greet each other, greet these specific people who have done great things, who are family, who I've worked with, who I know, who you know. And he'll go on. You guys still with me? You didn't know you were going to get such a great name of people here today, list of names of people today. Write this down. Keep away from the false and the phonies. Can I get an amen? amen? Now listen. I'm not talking about actual brothers and sisters in Christ that you have some differences with. That you just want to call phony so you can stay away. But what Paul's talking about is embrace, love on, receive, warmly welcome, salute, be excited for the hard work, the dear friends, be together, be unified. And then he's going to say, and make sure anybody that comes in to break that up, stop them. Don't allow for it. God's church is too precious to allow wolves. Now, there's a difference between a naive sheep that keeps like running into other sheep and a wolf that comes with their fangs out. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those. That's to stand guard. That's to stand watch. To watch out isn't just like, well, oh, keep an eye out. To watch out is like put, post somebody. Pay attention. Watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way, listen, that are contrary to the teaching or doctrine you have learned. So Paul says, you've learned who Jesus is. I just gave you this long list to remind you all the things about who God is, who people are, what it should look like to be the church. And he was very clear a few weeks back when we looked, don't, don't um, fight or break up over disputable matters because sometimes there's disputable matters. And they're not worth debating over, even though they're debatable. So there's open-handed issues. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the teachings of like who God is, who Jesus is, how to be saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, 
Those are closed. And he says, some people will come in, and they'll come in there trying to, to divide, trying to set forth an obstacle that is, that is uh, different to the true teachings of Jesus Christ. How do you know when it's a false doctrine? You have to know the real one. Like, like you need to be in your word and to be washed over with the word regularly. In fact, the Bible would say in Ephesians chapter four, it says that Jesus gave all of these types of leaders for the church to equip the church for the works of ministry and goes on to say that we would all grow up and not, no longer be infants tossed by every teaching, but that we would grow up together into the mature, complete body of Christ. So that we preach the word, we read the word. It is the authority for all uh, belief and practice as a, as a Christian. And that in so, we would be able to understand if somebody, it, there's, there's a huge difference between one of the brothers and sisters that comes in kind of off base that we could course correct. Maybe I need course correction. Maybe you need course correction. But the word is the thing that does it. And we do it in love and with grace. And, and that we would repent and that we would turn towards the truth of scripture when we're wrong and when we're off. There's a difference between that and somebody that comes in saying like, there is a different way other than Jesus. And the, and the next statement is, keep away from them or turn away from them. And it might sound harsh inside of the church. Like, why should we ever turn away from somebody? Here's why. God loves the church too much to allow those that are purposefully deceitful to come in and destroy the body, his bride. And so he would say, if someone comes in rebellious in that way to try to divide the beauty of God's people, then we should turn away from them. Of course, the first thing we do is confront in love. Like, let's look at, let's look at who Jesus is together. And there, there's a huge difference, right? Like, look at this. For such people are not serving our Lord Jesus or our Lord Christ, but their own appetites by smooth talk and flattery that deceive the minds of naive people. That's why we have responsibility. People that are young in the faith or immature in the faith depend on those that know the true doctrine and teaching of, of God's word to help them be safe. And so we have a responsibility that if someone comes in with smooth talk and flattery, again, this isn't talking about a, a lover of Jesus, a believer that's just kind of out of the way a little bit or, or off base a little bit. And especially it doesn't talk about, it's not talking about disputable matters, like what the worship should sound like. This is talking about people that are trying to draw others away from Christ. They're not serving Jesus. They're serving their own appetite. Everyone has heard about your, so he kind of shifts gears. He says, let's warn about them, stay away from them. Everyone has heard about your obedience. And in Romans 1 verse 8, he said, do you have that? First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. This is really cool. Your faith is being reported all over the world. Your belief. Now in chapter 16, he says, go back to 16 for me real quick. You're awesome, by the way. They've heard about your obedience. Your faith, and then it says your obedience. That a, a true faith, a true belief down at a core level drives action. And so he says, we heard about your faith because you move on it. Not because you talk about it, but you are about it. Sorry, anybody my age that uh, listen to hip hop just wants to sing with me. If you're about it, about it, then say you about it, about it. All right. Listen, this is cool. I rejoice because of you, because of your obedience, but I want you Listen, I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Wise, wisdom is to know right and do that right. Be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Don't even, don't even know the wrong. Don't be associated with the wrong. Don't know it. Don't do it. What is evil? And so that makes sense coming on the following end of greet all those that follow Jesus. Those that follow their own appetite turn away from. They're trying to disrupt and divide. And this is a cool line. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Did you hear that? The God of peace will crush. <laughs> the God of peace will soon crush 
Satan under your feet. Now listen, this is the same idea. How could the God, if he's peace, why does he crush? Because it's the same idea of, like I just said, with a flock and a wolf. Like the way the sheep have peace is if the wolf gets smashed. And so the idea here is we know that, that Satan is smashed under Jesus' foot and that we're the body. And so he says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And so he's giving them hope. We prevail. The enemy is smashed. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. We keep away from the false and the phonies. And lastly, I just wrote, do ministry, but don't do it alone. One of the amazing things of Paul is every time you find Paul, Paul's got people with him. Like you might be wondering, like how does Paul know all these people? He's never even been to Rome. How does he know all these people in Rome? Because everywhere Paul goes, he draws people into ministry. Everywhere he goes. Paul, when, when Paul ministers, like try to find him alone in scripture. If you can, it's like for a moment until he brings somebody else with him. It's like, hey, me and you are going to split ways, so I'm going to take him with me. That was the moment you had. Because he regularly is, is, is bringing people along on the journey. He's discipling as he goes. And he sees that discipleship is more than just information thrown at a fellow believer, but it is a bringing alongside to train up and to model as an example of Christ to the disciple. Listen, follow after me as I follow the example of Christ Jesus. That's more than information. In fact, Paul's the one that will kind of change the verbiage in scripture. So Jesus says, go and make disciples. And in the, to, the, to a Jewish crowd, that makes a lot of sense. And to surrounding areas, that makes a lot of sense because a, a rabbi had disciples. A rabbi is the teacher in, the, in this uh, culture. But a disciple is much more than how we understand disciples as students at school. Because we understand it as a classroom of 20-something kids that go there and they're crazy for like seven hours and then they go home and the next year you go to a different teacher or maybe you go to like seven teachers in one day when you're in middle school or six when you're in high school. And then next semester, you switch to a whole nother group. That's different. Back then, the rabbi was somebody that, that that's your person. And you like live with them. You do life with them. You follow everything they do. If they do it that way, you do it that way. And so it was important that you follow the right rabbi. And, and so you were trained up underneath that rabbi to look just like that Rabbi. In fact, there were often times where you could tell who the rabbi was based on who was in front of you. Because the way they did what they did, you go like, oh, I'm, I've seen that before. Your rabbi is so-and-so. Well, Paul will change the language. As the gospel continues to be pushed out into the world, as, as Paul continues to, to plant all these churches and tell people about Jesus, he changes the verbiage from rabbi and disciple to father and son. Think of the intimacy of that relationship. I have two boys. And I have a dad. Think of the intimacy of that relationship. And think of how dads are called to be in Scripture. And the training up of their sons. And the mothers with their daughters. That there is a training up. Like, listen, I don't want you to just, I don't want to just bark to you all the orders. In fact, I should bring you along for the ride. Too often in the church, you can have a great generation of believers and the next generation falls off. Why? Because while you were having so much fun serving God, you left your kids to watch and not do. Listen, we have an amazing kids ministry. And I think like for the most part, especially when they're little, it's probably the best space because it's safe and it's fun, and they learn about Jesus at an age where they can receive, at a, in a way they can receive it at their age. So it's beautiful. But listen, whenever you feel like your kids can come alongside you to come to service, where they would benefit, and that we could, as a church, glorify him in, in, in our song and in hearing the word, I, I commend that. Because I think you should bring him alongside you when reading your Bible. I think they should see you worship and do it with you. 
Because we're called to raise up like fathers and sons when we make disciples. Where else should that start any more than at the own, our own homes? But that's not where it's limited to. In fact, if we just stop there, then we have a heart only for ours and us, and we don't have a heart beyond ourselves. That all of us are called to make disciples. All of us are to raise up sons and daughters in the faith. And Paul is going to quickly list, can you stay with me for just a couple more minutes? He's going to quickly list a couple names of people that are with him because Paul's never alone. Do ministry, but don't do it alone. Timothy, probably the most well-known of his disciples, he says, has a heart for you like I have a heart for you. My coworker, he calls him a son in the faith, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius, Jason, uh, Sassipater, my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. This is interesting. Paul wrote the letter, but Paul didn't pin the letter. Paul had a secretary of sorts that wrote it for him in accordance to what he said. And Paul, this is a regular thing for Paul, to have somebody else write it down for him. In fact, um, Paul's vision isn't good, and there is this place where Paul writes with his own hand in the scripture, and he's like, you can tell by the handwriting, it's mine. That's how it feels every time, um, every, every time you turn in a prayer request, we pray for it at our staff meeting during the week. And one of the guys on staff usually stands up and writes it on the board. They should have a secretary write it for them. Yeah, maybe me too. Yeah, yeah, maybe too, you too. Mine's readable, it's just tiny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, but listen, sometimes there's benefit in having somebody else uh, accomplish something that they're better at than you even though it's Paul's words that are being spoken. He says, I greet you too. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, so he brings them in, send you his greeting. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Cordus, send you their greetings. I need the worship team to come up. And then this is the verse that's in uh, many of the transcripts, but not all of them, but it aligns with everything else that is in there. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with all of you. Amen. May the grace, listen, Paul says, I commend to you Phoebe. She's a sister, a servant, a supporter. Support, love on her, help her like she helped me and many others. Please greet all these people. And he commends, he, he cheers for those that are family, that are dear friends, and that work hard. And we see the beauty of the church. And then he warns them. And anybody that would try to break that, anybody that would try to come in between that, that would try to make obstacles that have to do with the teachings of who Jesus Christ is, that turn away from them. Don't allow that to do so. And he'll, he lands on, now listen, these people are with me because we should all do ministry and we shouldn't do it by ourselves. You don't see a place in ministry where it's all about isolation. There are times when you should get away and pray. There are times when you should get away and read. But all through scripture, you see, especially in the New Testament, as the gospel's being pushed out, these groups of people, or at least Jesus even sends out two by two, they go out together and there's, there's this strength and have a brother, sister in Christ with you to proclaim the good news and to serve together. And then he lands on the grace, which is undeserved favor. Paul says, I don't have to remind you guys because you're grown, but I want you to greet all these people who are awesome and I, I hope that I pray that God would favor the church, favor the church as they're the church that scripture calls them to be. I pray that for us. I pray that you would be graced by God, that you would, would see this isn't just a saving grace. All these people are already saved. So he's saying that you would be favored, that God would be on you, with you, working through you. You would be blessed in what you're doing. And I, hope, I want that for, for us as a people. I want us to be known as those that have dear friends. We're not just friendly. I want to be known as those that see each other as family. That we would be known as those that work hard, work very hard, that are co-laborers together. That we would be known as those that not only gather, but we group together in each other's homes and we meet together in those places. That we really get to know each other and that God's favor would be on us as we long to honor him in everything. I'm not talking about favor just so we can have everything that our, our flesh or our worldly self wants. I'm talking about the favor of God in pushing forth the mission of God in the world. Can you stand to your feet?